Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Plug of Sparky! <laughs> Accelerate! Run on my Uber now! Yuckety yuck, Mick McManakin! The British Bulldog is part of the new generation! You may all bow before and the World Wrestling Federation. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads get ready to rumble. We are here via our Ica-Pro-powered DeLorean getting ready to stumble. Who be we? Well, we be stumbling into 1995. And who be we? Well, we be getting ready to follow Diesel's continuous decline at the top of the tree. For God's sake, Tom, who be we? Sorry, I be fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, the former Cultaholic Heavyweight Champion, Tom Campbell. I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage, the head pen of Cultaholic, the man who, to which a pencil is as meaningless as a fish on a bicycle. Doesn't need it, he needs a pen. Gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry, and he is off of America. Good day, Tom, how are you? I'm good. Behind, thank you, mate. I'm good. Uh, behind the scenes, um, we are recording. We're, we're, we've leapt into the space age for the podcast because we're recording via Zoom this week. We've been doing Skype for the longest of times, and it's the first time we can see each other's faces. Isn't this lovely? Well, technically, wasn't touchtone phones part of the space age too? It probably was. That and sort of freeze-dried astronaut meals. So, and, and you know, lots of other stuff like like lead paint on toys and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's all still the rage isn't it we're all you know a little bit Make of childhood commercials talk. flintstone selling us cigarettes was a wonderful time uh but um, yeah so here we are how are you, you more act, importantly you act like you were alive for that <laughs> i might have been time traveling time went back in time just to watch the commercials i had a horrible realization and, and we will get to how you are i had a horrible realization and i had a little bit of an ex- existential crisis on Sunday, Justin Henry, and okay. when 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 they announced the next three WrestleManias, mm-hmm. it dawned on me that by the time WrestleMania goes Hollywood, I'm going to be 39 years old. Well, WrestleMania does correspond with our ages. It you does, doesn't it? We're going to be 39, mate, when that gets around. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you you're a bit more at ease and at peace about that sort of thing than I am, aren't you? That's. Uh... 
I've been going slightly gray for a little while, so I'm kind of already you know, prepared for it. Have you? I know. Oh, I suppose you got your hat on, so I can't really tell. I'll just. Uh... Oh, oh yeah, a little bit. But it's it suits you. It suits you. Some people suit gray hair. Yeah, I do get that, but I guess some people like when you see like certain actors and they have and they have the silver hair like like complete. It's like okay, now you look like you're. I don't know. Just I, I can't think of a good analogy there because hair analogies are not my uh, forte. They're not your forte either. It's basically mm. you and Tom Jones in terms of people who look good with gray hair. It's you and Tom Jones. I don't know about that. There's got to be some others that. Pull up. I mean, my father went gray very young in his early 30s, more so than what I am now. So I, I could say that. Uh, and he was looks that, good. Was, for that, his was age. that your fault by any chance? Probably. <laughs> did, you, did you make your father gray at the age of 30? <laughs> Partially. I bet you did. How are you, more importantly, sir? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Just uh. It's January 2021. I'm enjoying the NFL playoffs. I'm enjoying the fact that Tom Brady is apparently completely ageless. Yeah, I actually saw that. That's a bit of football stuff that cuts through. I saw some mm. some lovely shots of Tom Brady looking evergreen. Mm. He's 43 years old, and he has like this weird, like like almost borderline primitive diet where he has like no carbs whatsoever, and he's barely aged at all. I was I pointed out yesterday on Twitter. Because there's a page on Wikipedia that tells you every Super Bowl lead out program ever, you know, but because because Super Bowl is always a big TV event and never in the network's program, something right afterwards that they, 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 they hope will get a big audience and and, and help their brand. Thirty years is like, it's like Simpsons for some Fox Super Bowls and so forth. Mm-hmm. When Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl, the lead out program was Malcolm in the Middle. Gosh. That was That's 19 a long years time ago. ago. God, Malcolm's not even in the middle anymore. No. We, you, you and I were seniors in high school or whatever you call it over there. Yeah, high school. Yeah, I think. Or is your high school college? No, no. It's Your college is, is our university. I suppose. Yes. yes. So I think high school kind of sits about right. I think that's fine. Yes. Yeah. I can recall going to school the next day and talking with people in gym class about it, like, like, God, Tom Brady really pulled it off, didn't he? And it's like, <laughs> when I was still driving to school. <laughs> it's simpler times, mate, which is, we, we quite like delving back into the past. It keeps us young. That's why we're here. In it's some sort of needed. weird purgatory in the mid-90s. <laughs> it's it's the fun of it. And... It really is, mate. How old were you? How old were you? Let me think. So you would have been 11 during this new generation era, wouldn't you? Uh, at this point, well, yeah, whatever, whatever the meaning is, it corresponds to my age, so yes. We were 11 years old at this point. What were you watching on TV in 95? I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Well, it's uh, I actually got rid of kids' shows when I was fairly young because I had older friends and I want to be cool like they were. Oh. So it's um, so at this point, I was watching a lot of Seinfeld, Friends, Married with Children, Simpsons because I, I was trying to be like the cool kids. Mate. Not, not that the cool kids watch Friends necessarily, but <laughs> like. Like I didn't get every every reference because I wasn't old enough, but I, I that's kind of it warped me a little bit. How about I yourself? Was, oh, I was still very much into kids programs. I seem to recall when I was eleven, I would it would have been I would have just been starting high school, wouldn't I? At eleven or prime? I'd be primary school still, wouldn't it? But I remember getting really early to watch Channel Four in the UK. Used to do this block of old cartoons from like. 5 a.m. after like the night teletext service would stop rolling. Sure. Oh, as old as the hills. And I remember 
watching Sharky and George on a regular basis. Gee, I wonder what would what that influenced. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, <laughs> who was that? Um, I watched a lot of Heathcliff, which is which I, I remember Heathcliff. Heathcliff. No one should terrify the neighborhood. Um, I remember a program about a bayou, like a puppet program about a bayou, but I can't remember what it was e- called. Eve's Bayou. I was just trying to help out. Uh, I was going to run it by you. Oh, um, so yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't a bunch of cool older mates that I was trying to keep up with. So I was doing that. I certainly wasn't watching wrestling, which is why I love this podcast because we're going into an era that I am, as a fan, watching fresh. Kind of know where all of this is going, but I'm watching a lot of this fresh for the very first time. Well, 95 WWF, I'm half familiar with because, like, my brother had stopped really like caring about it because he he saw like how, like. My taste in like in, in mature matters and WWF were past each other, going in opposite directions. So it's like I, I still had some tethers to this company, but it's like you want to watch superstars? Eh, enough's enough. Yeah, it was it was, was kind of like that. Like, like we we had ECW, and we had Sabu jumping through tables. We had Sandman beating people with his cane. We had Malenko versus Guerrero. Like we had so much more than just like like Vince trying to sell you one. The occupational gimmick du jour. <laughs> I believe that's what they nearly called it. It was the first yeah, thing see, in the house, I believe. It was a French chef. <laughs> see, that's from a Pierre's gimmick. Like, no, we'll get to Pierre in a bit. Oh, mm-hmm. what an exciting show this is for a very, very special reason. Like the mm-hmm. the guy who, who orchestrated the comeback of the, of the past decade in this show, which is pretty amazing. Big fan of that. But We'll get to it in a bit. Justin Henry is going to talk us through the rigors of this week's episode of Monday Night Raw in just a moment. Just want to give you a little lay of the land, how things were in the wrestling world in this particular week, according to the Wrestling Observer. We had a WrestleMania 11 um, post-press conference. I've put here a post-mortem, which seems more (laughs) appropriate. Uh, In the WWF post-WM press conference, the company... We're, hope, we're optimistic that this was going to be one of the largest grossing WrestleManias of all time. The final buy rate... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the final buy rate appears to have fallen short <laughs> of even the most conservative predictions, says Dave. Mm-hmm. It goes on to say, at a major cable convention this past week in Los Angeles, the show... The, the fact that the show flopped despite so much mainstream publicity was a leading topic of discussion with estimates ranging from a 1.3 to 1.5 tops buy rate. Jeez, 1.5 for WrestleMania. Well, that's not good. Any optimism on their part had to be like Ed Wood's optimism when he was making Plan 9. This is it. This is the one I'll be known for. <laughs> it's certainly well, Ed, but not why you, why you think. They were really quite shocked by the, And I put this down to, and, and we've talked at length about the, the, the involvement of, the, of, of American football within this WrestleMania. But I, I, I think it's something that really alienated more of the market than it brought in. Well, not every athlete's a celebrity and, and, he, and even as a sports fan, I, I have to concede that. It's like, you know, hey, Impact brings in uh, D'Angelo Williams. Well, I know who D'Angelo Williams is, and he's a hell of a running back for the Carolina Panthers. Most people don't know who he is. You know, it's not like you're bringing in, uh, I don't know, Cardi B or something who's a little more mainstream. Exactly. And 
it's it's somebody like a Cardi B that would have that appeal all around the world as opposed to in that one pocket of uh, yeah. of where you where you, where you're hosting. Talking of which, the live gate for Hartford, Connecticut, uh, around three quarters of a million dollars made, fifteen thousand sellout, double the largest house show gate in the US since WrestleMania ten in Madison Square Garden. So locally, where mm. I think LT had the biggest love, it, of course it did fine. Of course it yeah. did really well, but it's just everywhere else where it was just like. Uh, I'm not bothered. And Connecticut's not a bad area because, in terms of people who have money, so it's not really going to be like uh, it's not some desolate area where people are struggling financially. Connecticut's a pretty well-off state when you really look at it. And of course, Lawrence Taylor and New York Giants. You know, people in Connecticut are either Patriots fans or New York football team fans, and so yeah, so LT is going to have the appeal in, in that specific area. I mean, it was the right guy for the right area. Oh, absolutely. For a, hey, look, if, you, if you're looking to draw a local house, you draw a local house. And oh. Well done and nicely, nicely done. I'm not sure they could have sold out Giant Stadium with him in it, though. No. Hmm. Man, that would have been a bit more of a push. But, uh, Even whilst, if it was Elsie. Whilst that was... Um, Whilst, whilst we were sort of chewing over the numbers from that, um, The Undertaker was on a bit of a road trip. We're seeing at the moment Kenny Omega turning up in impact wrestling. It's a really cool visual to see somebody from uh, a high profile, somebody from another company turning up to uh, a, a arguably ostensibly smaller company to do mm-hmm. some magic there. And it's nice how we can reflect that here as it was in this week in the wrestling world that the undertaker wasn't at the Monday. It wasn't on Monday night Raw this week uh, as he was at smoky mountain wrestling. He'd been dropped in for the Bluegrass Brawl. 2,000 sellout, hundreds turned away to see The Undertaker teaming with Tracy Smothers to face the gangsters in D'Lo Brown. And G is for jail because a thug can't spell. (laughs) R.I.P. Tracy. What a team, Undertaker and Tracy Smothers. The hell with that. Undertaker versus New Jack. (laughs) I hadn't even thought of that. Jeez, that's a Can sight. Imagine a few years later when New Jack hit his um, you know, hit his stride with with the um, natural born killers hits, and here comes the trash can full of gimmicks and the fun. Imagine him attacking the Ministry of Darkness and under those circumstances. Oh my God, the Stephanie wedding. New Jack hits the ring. Oh my God! You made him a star. <laughs> You just picture him smashing like Bradshaw on the head with a crutch. <laughs> you hit Midian in the gut with the trolley as he's coming out. Oh my God, you'd have made him a star in a night. Yeah, wax viscera with the psychogenesis. <laughs> <laughs> God, just swearing at everybody. Them going, okay, well, we'll take him off there. Uh, <laughs> the following night in Johnson City, uh, around 1,800 fans turned up for Fright Night. We had an I Quit match. Uh, the same six, the same. Characters involved with that uh, at the end of that. Undertaker reportedly got the largest pop anyone has ever had in Johnson City since Smoky Mountain Wrestling started running shows there. You're kidding me. I know, right? When you consider the stars on that show, mm. D'Lo Brown, for one, newest commentator for Impact Wrestling. The greatest European champion of all time. The greatest. And I'm a European. Kind just 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 about because of Brexit. <laughs> there some big cuts in world championship wrestling are coming as well. Just want to wrap up on this before we go into Monday Night Raw. The latest round of cuts for WCW could see the company saying farewell to The Butcher, 
who isn't happy about his 150 grand a year downside. He says he should I'm be on there. more. <laughs> no, it's, just get the Hulk Hogan uh, price point. Yeah, oh, it's, I just that makes me chuckle. Joey Mags on the chopping board this time, along with Steve Kern and Steve Austin. Now, one of those Why? men will go on the greatness in the business. Yeah. And once we got Stone Cold Steve Kern. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say Joey Max. <laughs> Jumping Joey. <laughs> Jumping Joey. It's Austin's last days in WCW or something to really behold because it was, unless you were like really following the business closely, it was just a forgettable exit. It was, it, it was so just arbitrary and quiet. And, and all of a sudden, a year or two later, he's, the top guy in the business. It's it's amazing. Do you know why? Um, do you know why they're shaving some money at WCW? Do you know what they're hoping to buy? Hulk Hogan, another boot. <laughs> kind of, and a TV network, which will technically be something he can have a boat on. But uh, the WCW know. network. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> it's expected the 1996 budget according to david Meltzer, uh, the budget allocation for wcw is going to be greatly decreased because turner are wanting to buy a network and they aren't going to put up with big money losses that wcw has incurred any longer this may force another round of salary cuts later in the year as well another network for turner i'm trying to remember what that would have been because he already had tnt and tbs uh, he probably i think he had cartoon network by this point could it have been Court TV, which became True TV later on? Quite possibly. I was I was thinking it was either going to be Cartoon Network or Court TV. I don't know all the Warner Media properties right now, besides those four I just mentioned. So I'm not sure. Maybe it's just something that didn't work out, and then when we just, it's quite possible. Very, very possible. But hey, look, we'll talk more on WCW and their TV exploits down the road mm. here on the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. Um, we have to now hand over to the erstwhile Justin Henry, who will talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. I think erstwhile means former. Oh, it does, doesn't it? We did. Did we not? Did we have this dance last week? While <laughs> the while, <laughs> I, I probably this with me is I get a word in my head that I think sounds nice, and I'll find a reason to use it, even if it's not the right use of it. I, I am mean... one of the worst. Um, I, I I've used erstwhile incorrectly also. I mean, in, in in terms of thinking that it's like you know, like the usually or the or the otherwise, but <laughs> the former Justin Henry he, turns out Vince has copyrighted his name. <laughs> <laughs> he is now Mojo Riley. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, then Mojo, what happened on Raw this week? <laughs> Adam's going to listen to the show now. <laughs> like, oh, oh, that's he's, false advertising. he's invested now. He hasn't listened for bloody years. He's invested now. <laughs> we could be swearing on here and everything. Get people to join our cult. Yes. Oh, yeah. Should we? <laughs> we'll just have our own cult of cultaholic. Secret All with right. me, you, and John Eiley and the Summer Witches. <laughs> well, this show took place on Monday, April 10th, 1995. It was taped one week earlier at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York. Some sunny, vacation-y Poughkeepsie, New York. <laughs> and um, so finally, finally, Tom, we had the footage of Sid beating Sean Senseless. So a because... week on from that nonsense finished of Monday Night Raw. Yes, last week it was, for some reason, taken out of the broadcast. We cut the commercial, we come back, and Sean was motionless. He could have had a stroke, we don't know. 
But no, they tell us that Sid beat him up. And sure enough, here's the beating. So we'll, we, we have the small footage of it now, just a little teaser. And, and we get mention of a six-man tag with Hakushi, Owen Hart, and Yokozuna versus Bret Hart, 123Kid, and Bob Holly. And it looks, it sounds awesome. Mm. The heels cut a promo with Yoko wearing the world's largest towel. <laughs> that towel looked like it was screaming. I'm sorry. It looked like a big old towel. I think it was one of the one of those congratulations banners for like a for, for like a graduation party or something. It's a congratulations Lex Luger banner that they never had to use. <laughs> it's the better luck next time Lex banner that they, they, they use all the time. I bought it from Jim Hurd. <laughs> they just—it's a better luck Lex Luger banner. They're using it in this way now because we don't wish him good luck anymore. <laughs> it's like the South Park gag where, where Ike was missing before his bris, and it's like he was dead. So they had some masses Ike's funeral, but then they found him, so they had the bris, and they crossed out funeral, just put bris above it, and hung it up anyway. <laughs> John, what would Lex Luger's bris look like? <laughs> Can they even yeah. afford to pay the oil to cut this piece off? I don't know. <laughs> and your t-shirt's too tight, too. It's the wax. And the scalpel's too sharp. <laughs> they had to cut him out of his uh, hood. Speaking of cuts, I have to edit the word here in my uh, notes. Holy effing green screen. <laughs> oh, I blooming love the green screen going on throughout this week. The best one is at the end of the night, but this one's still very oh, the, good. This was merely the prelude to what lay ahead. <laughs> Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler appear to be in some 1960s science fiction show with, with the superimposed crowd behind them, like the See, this is the, one of the problems I had at this point as an 11-year-old kid. Now, I wasn't the smartest 11-year-old. I mean, I did okay in school. But it's like I can tell my intelligence is being insulted. And, and, and to look at this, like you feel like you're watching something cheap. It's the little things where they feel like the audience won't know. But so blatantly obvious that the audience does know. You just, you, you just feel dumb. Yeah. For having watched it. I get I I get why they're doing it. I do. But there's we as we, we I think we said this a couple of weeks ago, and I feel like we will repeat this until they get their their stuff together for it. But could you not just have like a just a generic raw pull up banner behind you? Like yeah. Joey Styles did for ECW. Like at no point did I question whether or not Joey Styles was there or not. He blatantly wasn't, as as you know, as we'd find out. But at no point were you questioning it. You just went, "Oh, he's just he's up in the balcony or something." I guess mm -hmm. you know they covered it perfectly well. For some reason, for reasons that have not been adequately explained, Adam Bomb versus Tatanka. <laughs> it's the new generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's different from two years ago because there are different alignments now. <laughs> so it's this could be okay. It's, it's two hard-hitting heavyweights, but they, but they have no reason to be out there fighting each other. And Bomb gets this really high but really wonky-looking drop kick at one point. I mean, he he was at least five feet off the ground for that drop kick. It was actually impressive. I like Adam Bomb. 
I will continue down this wobbly path that I think Adam Bomb in a different multiverse could have been somebody you could have built part of the company around. Well, I mean, he had the look. He had a decent move set. There were just, I guess, slight deficiencies there. Mm, something wasn't right. And something was just a little bit off. He just didn't, I don't know. He's a good powerhouse, but not really a whole lot more, it seemed. It's during this match that Vince takes some shots at the recent Larry Holmes boxing match. Because uh, he's too old to be doing this now. Can you like, like, why would you hang on for two so long to get one more payday? That's, I mean, that's just disgraceful. Who's ready for Goldberg versus McIntyre? <laughs> it's, it's funny when you hear lines like, and even like, you don't even need to wait like a couple of decades for for those lines to bite him on the backside. In about thirty minutes' time, Nikolai Volkov is going to be wheeled out with a million dollar corporation. <laughs> Literally wheeled out like his Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> John! <laughs> Hannibal Volkov. Silence of the Bolsheviks. <laughs> Silence of the Bolsheviks. <laughs> so Tatanka is very methodical during this match, and that's being charitable. <laughs> Are we talking Randy Orton methodical? Yeah. This is, um, as the apex predator stalks his foe slowly. He slowed down this match to his advantage because he wants he wants to control the pace. All euphemisms, of course. But it's a thug of chops. And then he can't he counts five Mississippis before throwing the next chop. Five more Mississippis. There's another chop. Methodical. Huh. Lawler's is making football jokes that get outdated very quickly. No one's on the same page here in this match at all. Everybody's got an agenda. Like different a, books at the moment. It's just so. It's just just a. It's a, a drag of an opening match, isn't it? it oh, if you think if you think that it's been a drag so far, Tatanka gets a jumping DDT. Sits there, ponders the meaning of string. Bomb rolls onto his stomach in the interim. <laughs> Tatanka kind of crawls on his knees over like he's making a hot tag, like he's like he's Morton going for Gibson. Then rolls Bomb over and goes for the pin, gets a two. He's surprised by this. <laughs> this is um. <clears throat> the only thing slower than this was Nick Patrick's count on Sting at Starkid '97. <laughs> is that the one where you had like a lunch break between each count? Yes. <laughs> as depicted by Russell Crab many moons ago. I love that. I love that. <laughs> he went and had a walk into the garden and sat down in the garden and read a book. <laughs> Make lunch, watch TV for a bit. <laughs> that is a beautiful moment. Is that still online? I know some of the Russell Crab archive is down, but is that particular mm. bit online? I haven't seen it in years. I have to ask RD if he has it anywhere. Uh, Please do. Readily available because I want to see that again. Big fan of that. So because of all the exertion so far, we have to go to a long chin lock. <laughs> exertion. And Bomb makes what I call a generic comeback. <laughs> Garden variety. I believe, it, I believe the comeback is generic too on WW2K 19s <laughs> power up selection to create a wrestler. Clothesline city. Because <laughs> I mean that's that's how many comebacks in, in wrestling. And then they brawl to the floor, and this turns into every MSG match 1986 between two guys you wanted to protect for some reason. They just punch each other. One guy hit the steps. It's a double count out. 
What in the hell was the point of this match? God. Got to keep Tatanka strong. Got to keep Bomb yeah, strong. Put him against other people. There's an idea. <laughs> that should be a sitcom with these two and Luger called Strongish. <laughs> like, ah, they're credible enough to throw out there. They're Strongish. <laughs> I like it. They live in a, they live in a flat together. And they're, none, they're all afraid of putting in money for the rent because <laughs> they think the others should be doing it. <laughs> so they get evicted. It's not a long sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> One episode ends in tragedy. <laughs> the ju- I mean, nobody takes them seriously because they're, because they're not strong, but because they're just strong-ish. <laughs> but but people have faith in them anyway because well they're not weak they're strongish. Can you lift that just... sofa for me? Um, <clears throat> yeah, maybe <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh... <laughs> it's like the Three Stooges with three shems. I made the talk is more of a Joe Besser. I'm not sure. If you ask OSW review, he's definitely a Joe Besser. Oh yeah, he's a boy. He's Tatanka. <laughs> he's, no, he's, he's, he's he's a hero. <laughs> Get in my stable. He's a boy. He's the top guy. <laughs> Get an ad for the Mania replay. We learned that Vince I like that, by the way, on the Mania replay, where they said, what's better than watching WrestleMania? Watching the Encore. <laughs> what's better than watching a really bad WrestleMania? Just watch it <laughs> twice. You might enjoy it this time round. <laughs> what's better than watching a show that you hated? Watching it twice and paying for it twice. <laughs> They were quite heavily pushing the replay. So it's apparent that the, the money hasn't gone the way they were hoping. The numbers haven't. So let's just heavily push. Hey, watch it again. If you did if you watched if you missed it first time round, you can watch it. If you didn't, just watch it again. Well, you know who the most heavily pushed person on this show is, Tom? Salt and pepper. Nope. <laughs> it's not Bret Hart. It's not Shawn Michaels. It's not even Diesel. It is Duckman. Very much so. Very much so. Everyone, there were t-shirts in the front row mm-hmm. showcasing Duckman. A lot of this, this going forward. A lot of this we're going to see. For those of you who have no idea what in the hell we're talking about, and if, if you're of a certain age, we don't, we can't blame you. Duckman was a USA Network cartoon. It was an adult cartoon. We have Jason Alexander, Seinfeld's George Costanza, playing the role of, of this detective named Duckman. He was a bit of a overly horned-out womanizer who loses focus very easily. And that's part of, that's part of the crux of you know, his, his calamities is that he's... And while he's competent enough at his job, he's, uh, he's also easily distracted and falls into um, unfortunate situations. It, it's a very over-the-top cartoon, but it was pretty funny. And I watched that at that age, even though I probably shouldn't have. It was... Uh, but we get a lot of pluggage for that on this show. It was um, it was Klasky Supo that made it, wasn't it? And they did stuff like the Rugrats and things like mm-hmm. that. And they wanted something with a, with a little bit, a little bit more of an adult, a bit more adult meat on the bone. So Duckman mm-hmm. was born in USA Network. We're like, yeah, we'll have that. We'll, we'll yeah, it was part of that. it was part of an hour block with the TV version of Weird Science. Nice. I will say, fifth grade me appreciated Vanessa Angel. Oh, mate, we. We, we, we all did at some point. Mm. It's all, it's all mm. good. Fun fact, right? In a few weeks' mm. time, I, I wonder if it's even next week. Like, they really do push this Duckman thing for a couple of weeks. And I understand that Duckman will be on Raw. Well, you're close. One of the characters will be on Raw. Mm-hmm. 
because Jason Alexander has better things to do than calling the Monday Night Raw. <laughs> <clears throat> he was on Seinfeld for Christ's sake. What's that going to waste his time? <laughs> he isn't going to trouble himself with that. But yeah, lots of Duckman love on this show, and uh, it, it is it is funny to hear Vince McMahon talking about Duckman, and then Jerry Lawler making biffy comments about about how uncool Vince is and stuff like that. It's a, it's a funny line that you walk because you want to like promote the show, but then Lola's almost like, hey, you geek, Duckman. Well, no, you've got to push that and let's not call people geeks for watching Duckman. <laughs> well, obviously, if, if Lola's making fun of it, then clearly you have to be a loser. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly Lola's the loser because he's the heel and therefore he's wrong. The Head Shrinkers versus Mike Bell and Tony DeVito. The singlet and ponytail connection. <laughs> <clears throat> what a little combo here, cheeky little combo. And, and Captain Lou is back, and so is Alpha with a nice looking robe. So I assume the head shrinkers have got a lot in this taping, they've got a lot going on. I guess so, but I, I, I don't remember them being there much longer after this. I think Sione, Captain Lou, and Alpha all go away very soon. And Fatu gets the old repackage where he's going to. Make a difference. Yes. Yes. His finest work. <laughs> because he, he's got to do it for the kids, especially the two he has at home where you can't tell them apart and, and, and ask him, which one are you? <laughs> hey, for a head of a table, he was very scruffy. Rikishi would definitely be the head of most tables. <laughs> I would imagine, right? Mm-hmm. If if Jay Uso gets knocked on the head or something during the Rumble and he, he has amnesia and he becomes Jay Uso, make a difference. Or the Sultan. <gasps> yeah. They just regress to their dad's old stuff. <laughs> That's how they're going to get Iron Sheik from Mania 38. So they're going to come out with Sultan Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll beat up Roman Reigns, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> Roman Sheik Mania Make it a thing I think my new dream commentary team Will be Iron Sheik and Eddie Kingston <laughs> It's just Kingston going What the F are we doing here And Sheik goes I'd break his back bumper. <laughs> Two hours done and Great throw- work lads And just around like Chuck Taylor also Just for balance <laughs> Can contrast. <laughs> it would just be, it'd just be a hot mess. I'd be so happy. I mean, impact. It's fine. And for those, for those of you who've never heard Eddie Kingston do commentary, go on YouTube and look up Dragon Dragon <laughs> from Shakara, the debut of Dragon Dragon, and Eddie Kingston losing his friggin' mind on commentary so <laughs> over a man of the over a man in a foam dragon costume. He's so good. He's so good. Oh, someone's getting fired. <laughs> I'm excited for the prospect of Kingston becoming a world champion at, at some point soon. I don't know if you will, though, because it's he's good for the role that he's in where he, he can occupy a spot in the upper mid-card and use his talking to help, to help get guys over, get angles over, be sort of like a manager-type guy for Butcher and Blade and maybe anybody else that enters his little uh, small group of people. Because like so far, it's just been Jericho, Moxley, and Omega, and they've all been true, true, true top guys. And I see Omega holding it for a very long time. Yeah, that's true. There was something about him when, like the being the Elite episode about um, Brody Lee aired, and he was sort of 
leading the backstage area in in in, mm. in in everything and there was just something about him i went this and, and and you know it was under horrible circumstances and i feel like i don't want to trivialize it but i was like this is a guy who's this this is a, the leader of a company here mm-hmm. like in every sense not just in ring but like behind the scenes as well this is a guy when he did um when he did north wrestling up here in newcastle there was there was something about him there was an air about him like this 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 sort of this special air that that he carries this special way that he carries himself not in, in an arrogance in an arrogant way it was in a in a in a in a no bullshine kind of way and just very receptive to everything and 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 also very very much a, a an ideas guy like i i so chuffed that we got to have him up here before the world got let in on the secret that was eddie kingston you know he definitely has this genuine big brother sort of feel about him where it's like he's he's, he's someone, someone you can trust and i bet he'll have a job for as long as he wants it yeah and he, he makes every you can tell he's one of those guys that people say he makes every locker room and he's in better i believe it i believe it and uh, selfishly i'm proud that i got at least chance to at least once ring announce the mad king eddie kingston that was a fun mm-hmm. night that was a fun moment. Go, yeah, I did that. That's the thing that happened. That, what a lovely um, night. I got, I got to see him one time in person. It was a house of hardcore of all places. Mm. Random match. It was him and Homicide versus Devon Dudley and C.W. Anderson. Oh. It was supposed to be Team 3D, the Dudley boys, but Impact had pulled Bubba for some sort of award show appearance, like the Spike TV video game awards or something, right. the Guys Awards or whatever. And So I, I was robbed to see that Dudley's versus... Homicide in Kingston. Oh well. You got a good one though. You got a, you got something special. I did. Got to see. Have you seen? I'm sure you have the video where Kingston attacks Matthew. I have. Yes. Oh, it's it's a thing of beauty. It's a, and it's something that happened up here in the northeast as well. It's just a thing of beauty. Kingston going, I'm gonna effing get you, and for weeks threatening Matthew that he was gonna come to Shields and get him, and then when he turned up at the show and just bolted towards it. And just choked him to the ground. Oh God, it was the best. <laughs> I love how in the wrestling context, it's you know, it's like it was the greatest thing ever when when he grabbed my friend by the throat and forced him to the ground. And, <laughs> and, and, we, and we talk about it lovingly, glovingly. Oh yeah, and it's, it was even better when he when Kingsman was at North and 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 he's on the mic and the match saying, Matthew, I'm still gonna effing get you. And Matthew hides behind Photoshop John Eiley. Like all these worlds. Colliding, <laughs> mate. You had yeah. to be, literally. You had to be. If you were there, it would have been the most perfect night. Well, Tom, time. he had that look in his eye. <laughs> oh, I thought he was gonna kill me. Like, <laughs> uh, 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 I thought he was gonna hurt me. <laughs> I like how your Matthew sounds a bit like a very drunk John Lennon. <laughs> Imagine a world with no Pachamania. <laughs> Bartimania bigger than the Beatles. <clears throat> so we got Shrinkers versus Bell and DeVito, which we for- apparently forgot completely about. Oh, yeah, there's a match in there. I forgot about that. We we get a great opening spot where Mike Bell runs over to the Shrinkers corner, grabs both Sioni and Fatu by their heads by their no- heads, and does the old noggin knocker spot to no avail because you know, history has shown that you can't hurt their heads. So Bell freaks out, runs to his corner. Fatu gives chase, grabs he and DeVito, and gives them the Naganagar, and of course it works. Beautiful. So this is basically just your typical head squash, but with a twist. 
because you see, even though they're baby faces, Sione cheap shots Mike Bell on the apron or from the apron. And there's a, which that's weird enough. But then in a moment that I think Botchamania has glossed over over the years, Bell keeps running, forgets, oh yeah, I'm hit. And then gets in the middle of and just collapses on the mat. <laughs> there's a delayed reaction. We should probably send that to Math. We should recommend that. Just say, Math, you need to see this one. It's the one mm. you've missed. I think Vincent Lawler missed it because you're busy plugging Doug Man. <laughs> what a great show, Doug Man is. <laughs> and then, if you ever wanted to know how out of the loop Vince is with pop culture relevance and matters, Lawler promotes this week's show with guest star Heather Locklear, mm-hmm. and Vince. This is his exact reaction. Who? <laughs> you know, the star of Melrose Place. <laughs> and she's kind of just kind of a big deal at this time. It's uh yeah. There's something about Vince at this in this in, in life in general. But it was I think because he it was a line he said at WrestleMania when he was on commentary with uh, with Lawler. Like he's even out of the loop with his own product when it was Hart and Backland in the I Quit match. And Hart was saying, hey, Roddy Piper's the referee. Hey, who did, who did Piper face at WrestleMania 7? And Vince just avoids the question for ages. And then Lawler pushes him and he goes, I don't know, the British Bulldog. I was like, mate, if you're not in touch with pop culture, we'd expect you to be on, on form with your product. And if you're not on form with your product, what hope has anybody got? Well, have you noticed how the commentators to this day don't remember what happened yesterday or last week? I wonder whether that was by design. Well, who's the I one like producing So much them? of it is so manufactured, to, like where they go, you forget this bit happened, don't mention that, talk about that and, and, and use these terms only and stuff like that. Well, on the same show last week, Adam Pierce told Drew Gulak, you can't declare for the Royal Rumble. And then Mandy Rose declares for the Royal Rumble like 20 minutes later. It is a weird rule about the de- declaration for the Rumble, how some people are allowed to and some people aren't. Well, if you're a former CZW champion, you can't declare for the Rumble. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Well, well, thank <laughs> they're, God. they're checking Dana Brooks history as, as, <laughs> as, as, as I say this. Thank God Moxley and Leo Rush both left. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, they just beat the jobbers in the pace. After Vince buries Heather Locklear for some reason. Maybe she turned down WrestleMania 11, and he's like, I'm not talking about her. You know what? Maybe you're on to something there. Maybe she was supposed to be in the Jenny McCarthy role of being Sean's secondary escort. I don't know why, but I thought you were going to say, maybe she was going to be in the Jenny McCarthy Battle Royal. <laughs> John, what would that look like? Well, it'd be like it'd be like the Kid Rock battle royal, but with but with less uh, Santino winning. <laughs> it'd just be it would be Jenny McCarthy throwing Santino over the top rope. Shrinker Splash finishes Devito, and this match is kind of irrelevant because it's, because because the Shrinkers will be no more very soon, as budget cuts will rob us of a valuable talent like Sioni. Oh. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. Uh, oh, breaking news! Breaking news! Drew Gulak has declared for the Jenny McCarthy Battle Royal. You can't do that. You can't just declare. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I'm being told that Jenny McCarthy is declared for the match. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> oh, scrap, Daddy! Your rules are so flimsy. It's just, it's just this anti-CCW bias, is what it is. 
<laughs> just to, I know we shouldn't talk about 2021, but sod it, we will anyway. Am I the only one slightly gutted that we're not getting Adam Pearce and Roman Reigns? No, oh, it's you have a multiple time world champion of a credible organization, you have Roman Reigns. It'd have been a hell of a match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was part of me that was like, you know what? I'm not. See what what should have happened was Adam Pierce should have brought up Billy Corgan as as his manager, NWA, and Corgan could say like, "Hey, let me set the record straight about Paul Heyman and me trying to buy ECW all those years ago," and then finally put it all to rest. <laughs> so Roman goes, "All right, you're boring me. Just fine. You're not having the match." No, he, he forfeits, and, and Adam Pierce is the champ. Oh yes, of course, silly Tom. Yes, but no. I just think we missed a beautiful chance to have Roman batter Pierce and then Adam Pierce just to have like a moment where he gets slapped in the face and he just goes, sod this. And just just for 30 seconds, just batters Roman Reigns. Well, first he got put on the Repo Man mask. <laughs> that would be fine. <laughs> that would be fine. Actually, that would be better in front of a live crowd. Repo mask included. To have like imagine a live crowd just losing their mind if Scrap Daddy started unloading on Roman Reigns for thirty seconds. It'd be something. Oh, it'd be amazing. We'll have to wait a little while longer before we can find out what that's like. Oh. But we're getting closer. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We go to sitting on a throne for some for reasons that have not been adequately explained, but I don't care. Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Yes! Pirate in wrestling! Arr! <laughs> Arr, matey. Oh. Shiver why, me timbers, why, it's Quebec or Pierre. Why are pirates in self-isolation? Because they can't keep the R rate down. That's a <laughs> COVID joke in the UK. 
So this is Quebecer Pierre <laughs> with an eye patch, a mesh tank top, a head, and 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 he's a. Uh, his arms appear to have gotten even bigger. He, he's just a massive human being he now. He looks massive, doesn't he? He looks mm. built. He's he he looks like a nesting doll of Jeff Cobb. <laughs> this isn't even my final form. Yeah. <laughs> now, if PCO team with Matanza, I'm, I'm pretty sure nobody could beat them. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be anywhere near them. Do you want a Do you want a fun story about PCO about um about about uh. Our boy Pierre here. You tell. So he did an interview where he talked about sort of this mid-90s run. Didn't talk about the pirate thing, but dropped this little nugget of information in. Um, after the, you know, the when he was just sort of, he was on the company books, but had nothing going on. He says, quote, there was a time when Vince McMahon and the management were going to go all the way with me and put the world title on me in Canada. After the Quebecer split up, me and Jacques worked some matches in Montreal that had done brilliant business for the WWE with sold-out stadiums. Vince was doing okay with the Canadian loop of Montreal, Quebec City, and Toronto, and it was discussed that I'd win the belt from Bob Backlund in one of those cities to a big reception and then drop the belt to either Diesel or Bret Hart back in America a few weeks later. I was essentially going to be a caretaker champion for a short period. In the end, for reasons I don't know, Vince went off the idea and went in a different direction. The news made me sore. It was always my dream to be a world champion. Justin, we nearly got Pierre as WWF champion. Like we came like tantalizingly close. You know what I'm doing here? I don't believe it. What? Not for a second. You said you called Pierre a liar, sir. Um, I do. I do. How dare you? Uh, it's, Why do you just, believe I, it? Why do you believe it? Is, is it just, do you think it's too, it's an old boy just blowing some bluster? I think the part about him doing great business in Montreal is true because Jacques was promoting up there and they were doing great houses up there for events. I think maybe it was discussed about having him do big matches in Montreal, be their guy up there because they're trying to bring Martel back in early 95 to do matches in Montreal as well to help that market out. You know, while it was still very fertile, uh, and the world title, no, they weren't. They weren't gonna have Quebecer Pierre, who'd been off TV for a while, beat Bob Backlund. Yes. No. Yes. Listen, I like Pierre. I like Pierre a lot. I'm a PCO Mark. The guy's done an incredible job, make himself relevant again after he was been retired for five years, reinvent himself with these hilarious vignettes of him staving off pain, the French Frankenstein. But no, I do not believe he was going to be WWE champion for even 60 seconds. Well, this is where we disagree. <laughs> I have no reason to doubt El Dandy. <laughs> yeah. El Dandy is Spanish for PCO. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, there's a strong chance this is just a bit of... A bit mm. of a bit of hoi baloi, a bit of hyperbole, but hey. Bit of bluster. Bit of bluster. Jean Pierre Lafitte, the pirate, as a world champion. Mm. It's all right. He, he, and he kind of beat Captain Jack by a number of years here. They could make a time to cash in on it years later. Could have done. But he's we got this eerie music. He's sitting on a throne in like this misty room. It appears to be like one of Shao Kahn's lairs. 
He's, he's talking, he's got, he's got this pouch of gold coins around his neck. It's all he has left from his great, 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 great grandfather, a real pirate. The government stole it from him. Uh, so, 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 so shouldn't he feel with IRS? <laughs> Isn't that like, it's like the natural order of things here? The thing is, the story he's telling isn't untrue, kind of. So there, there, there was a pirate in 1780 called Jean Lafitte. Yes. Uh, French pirates uh, who operated in the Gulf of Mexico. He and his older brother, Pierre, spelled their last name Lafitte. And so there's been documents that find this thing called this is Pierre and Jean and Pierre Lafitte. Uh, 1805, he was operating this warehouse that was kind of going through a legal loophole. So he was smuggling stuff out of the US mm -hmm. through this loophole. Eventually, the government closed that loophole and he got brought in. All this operation got shut down. His smuggling came to an end. So the, the story that Jean-Pierre Lafitte is spinning here isn't a million miles away from the real story of the real pirate Jean Lafitte. Well, isn't it interesting? For you. You're welcome. Yes, yeah, see, we, we do aim to educate on this show. We do. But isn't it interesting that it's the year after the steroid trial and we're doing a story of which someone... So talk about, talk about how, how the government conspired to bring down them and their family down. Are you suggesting that this is another Vince McMahon character for him to grind a gear? I'm thinking that when Vince was on trial, he was having pirate fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> Swashbuckling Vince. John? <laughs> Swashbuckling Vince, John. No beard the pirate. <laughs> so Sapir goes on pirate. Sapir goes on his anti-government rant that we've heard a lot in recent times. <laughs> and and next week he'll be in action against Duke the Dumpster Jersey. Which poor Duke, I think he's finished. I think this might be the end of uh near nearing the end of days for Duke Drosy. I seem to remember they, they give him another little boost end of this year into the start of '96. Yeah, he gets like it's a little something something, but it ain't much and uh Oh, he's just here to feed into uh, yeah, the pirate push. <laughs> Speaking of occupations, called the pirate push. That's what it is. <laughs> Speaking of occupational gimmicks, I'm assuming that pirate is an occupation, puts it on his taxes. Um, Bob Holly won a race last week in Mobile, Alabama. Yay! Well done. That's the first race he's won at his local track, and and under the WWF banner too. We I don't had think some he had too footage many... that looked like it was something from TMZ <laughs> so of, was... of him getting out of his car, like 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 they were trying to catch him out cheating or something. It was like drone footage. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and Vanguard one was hanging out over the race. <laughs> <laughs> Plug of Sparky, accelerate! <laughs> I will reconvene with you in fifteen to twenty years. <laughs> The man whose core is hard. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so we finally get the rare footage of Sean and Sid's fight. This is like the Tom McGee match in terms of <laughs> being teased with it. <laughs> so, this isn't putting Bret Hart over. This is this is a, an, a, an attempt to bury another lad by Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to note Vince's voiceover in this bit. because So just to bring everybody to the table here, last week on Raw, 
Sean and Sid did an interview where Sean accepted Diesel's challenge for a world title match at the first in your house on May 14th. Earlier in the night when Diesel made the challenge, he talked about how Sid basically cost Sean the match by, by monkeying around with Hebner at one point and injuring him so that he couldn't make the vital pinfall count on when Diesel was down. She basically told Sean, leave, leave Sid at home and we'll have a match. So Sean actually concurs in this promo that he has with Sid in the ring with Vince presiding. Sid's basically, you know, like, you know, I'm going to give you the night off it in your house. And Sid's not too pleased with that turn of phrase there, this revelation. So Sid fires up on Sean, starts to like, you don't tell me nothing. And, 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 you know, that sort of response. But it was in the midst of Sid's tirade that we that we threw the commercial break. And we came back. Sean was was a limp noodle laying on the mat because Sid had beaten the crap out of him during commercial break. We saw none of it. All we see at that point is Diesel hit the ring and run Sid off. This, now, this was Sean's face turn because he was so popular as a heel that they, they really had, to, they had no choice but to go with him as a baby face. I understand. But the, here's the problem. When you watch this footage, who was the baby face in this scene? If you ignore Vince's voiceover. It's Sid, isn't it? It's blatantly Sid. <laughs> Because Shawn Michaels is berating him for doing his job. And so Sid, as, as any lughead babyface bouncer would do, finally snaps. It's because the crowd's cheering for Sid very openly during this segment. When Shawn fires up and tells Sid off, like Shawn came off, I'm going to say he came off heroic there, but he came off as uh, like he stood his ground. He wasn't afraid of Sid. So at least there's that. He wasn't backing down. But then Vince Alvarez goes, look at Sid, back off. When Sid wasn't really backing off, he's kind of just looking down at Sean's finger as he's pointing at him. Like, so they're really doing all they can to paint Sid as the bad guy in this situation. So Sean turns his back, Sid hits him from behind, and gets cheered for doing so. And they point out, like, 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 like the coward that Sid is hitting Sean from behind, like really trying to steer this ship a certain way, but pulling all his might. And then Sid proceeds to hit three power bombs on Sean. Now, the first one was only a powerbomb in the academic sense. <laughs> you would, it, would be, it would be classed on a, on a government form as a powerbomb. <laughs> you know, in the, sa- in the same way that if you, if you throw an, an, an onion and a tomato in a bowl of hot water, it is technically a soup. <laughs> Basically, they were playing higher daddy higher, and then, and, and, and then daddy had a shoulder spasm and then lost the kid. <laughs> Uh-huh. Flashbacks to my youth. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sean's hip deserves an apology for that landing. Oh, jeez. That was so, it was, I was, the thing is, the night before we had, we had Sean deliberately flummoxing the power bomb to show up Diesel. So you can't help but think this is Sean's silly buggers again. Mm. You could, or or just Sid just lost his grip, one or the other. I, I couldn't really tell. The second and third power bomb were definitely better, although the second one, his thighs were above his head on the release. So, <laughs> so I think Sid was trying to break his neck for real that time. Like you want to grip the power bomb, huh? The one felt very snug. One of the follow-up ones did feel quite snug, or look quite <laughs> snug. I didn't feel it. You gonna play ball? Because I like playing ball. It's springtime. <laughs> na 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 na. Can't come to roll this week, bang. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I realized while watching this footage, this is the second time WBF has had to cover a positive reaction for Sid 
in the name of who they thought the babyface was because three years before this, when Sid was in the 92 Rumble match, which if you've never watched it, do so. When he throws Hogan out, the crowd cheers. Mm-hmm. But they were hoping he'd be the heel in that scenario because it's Sid, and they, they want Hogan to be the top guy still, even though the people were tired of him in the whole Arsenio Hall interview. He, he'd been tarnished. So, And it'll happen again in mm-hmm. about a year and a half's time from where we are now. Oh, yeah. It does. Maybe. Here's a crazy idea, Vince. Maybe just make Sid a face. <laughs> Maybe. Because every time you try and make him a heel, everybody goes, cheer him. We love you, Sid. Just make him a face. It's fine. You can't boost it. You can't boost Sid. He's Sid. He rules. Make him, make him the champ that Diesel should have been. And just, just have him in there, like, taking no bullshine from anyone. Like, King, King Mabel coming at a baby face Sid would have been laughable. I'm the king. La 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 da da da. You bang. <laughs> Shut up. I'm only half the Oscar you have. <laughs> I have half the brain, the new mo. <laughs> he speaks in riddles. He's like Jim Morrison. <laughs> but quick, quick homework assignment for everybody out there. We discussed Sid's. Um, getting cheered at the 92 Rumble, pull up the February 92 Saturday Night's main event on the network when, when Sid completed the heel turn. In his pre-match promo, they showed the footage of him throwing Hogan out. They went to the trouble of having Monsoon and Bobby Heenan redub commentary to repaint Sid as the villain in the scenario and actually dubbed in the most blatant-sounding boos you've ever heard for Sid throwing Hogan out to try and convince you, the home viewer, that Sid was the heel and Hogan was the babyface. You have to believe that whilst it's under the worst of circumstances, Vince has to be loving the Thunderdome. Oh, yeah. You are completely autonomous with who you want to get over. And and it's led to frustration. We talked about this in the news videos last week, how there are talent that are like, well, now we know if the office like us or not based on when we go out and wrestle because they'll turn the cheers down if they don't want to get us over. (laughs) It's, oh, it's, it's that sucks. You've lost that organic feeling that you, a good crowd could get someone over. He doesn't care. He's got, he's got TV rights fees. He's going to do what he wants to do. And if I boo Roman Reigns, I get kicked out of the Thunderdome. Yeah. Like, it's just, Vince has to love this whole setup. Vince's idea of organic is not you know, the standard definition of organic. It's organic if you agree with me. <laughs> but then... I, after Sean is laid is laid to waste by Sid here, we get Diesel's run in to run him off. Then, Pat, then Pat Patterson comes out in the most understated sweater ever. And when I say understated, I mean it looks like um, a seventh grade mosaic art project. I'll go out. I won't make a. I won't make a show of myself, Vince. <laughs> you won't know I'm there. So, so they go to stretcher Sean out now. This is 1995. We're basically in the internet age. We're, we're, we're on the cusp of that happening. Technology has advanced to a certain point. They put Sean on an army-style carry gurney with handles <laughs> as opposed to the standard scissor-lifting stretcher that you strap somebody to. That we would come to know with a backboard and maybe a brace. Oh, no. We just put Sean on this canvas carry-all and carry him like he's... Like he, like he, like he got bitten by a mosquito in the jungle. 
<laughs> Did that do the rounds? I imagine people were sharing that on Prodigy. <laughs> I hope so. It's, it's like it's like a 1971 house show where Bruno got his neck broken by Stan Stajic or something. And that was the, and that was the instructor they had. <laughs> There's apparently a meme that did the round on Prodigy, and it was Shawn Michaels looking around at an army stretcher with a a medical stretcher looking up at him, looking upset. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't remember that meme from '95? When it had memes in '95, <laughs> we communicated like human, like adults. <laughs> Hello, ASL. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we ask a question that we will never ever ever ask again. Is Sean's career over? <laughs> You're damn right he's over. <laughs> Kama versus Scott Taylor. <laughs> Yay! The, In the battle of... is off, baby. <laughs> now, you... now you see these two regularly on the um, Call to Hawk Smackdown review of Matthew Gregg. We certainly do. What a very different world it is. Kama is the godfather now. Soon to become the good father, spoilers. And Scott Taylor having a career in Asons is part of Too Cool. Like the, the most over he's ever been. And of course, at the time, Scott Taylor was merely the body double for Sean William Scott. <laughs> it, was, it was a highlight of his career. He was stiffler, but he was stiffler, but he, but he doesn't work stiffler. <laughs> hey, 10 points to Justin Henry. Ding. Thank you. Common now has the urn melted down in chain form. I like now, that. I have a question here. We have established that the, that the urn has supernatural powers. If he's wearing it around his neck, should it be like haunting him? I thought it might be like the ring from Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Whereby if he's wearing it, it's just over, it's it's just mentally draining him. But apparently not. Apparently he's just he's fine with it. I do like it though. I like the this the story, the whole story of karma, it's like the the yeah the the lion, the witch, the audacity of this bitch to take the urn of the undertakers and smelt it down into chains <laughs> to wear around his neck. It's he, melted, he melted it down in the Brian Lee's biker gimmick, <laughs> which is a callback to the fake taker. Ah, oh, I see what you did there. He melted it down into some charisma for him. Vince says that Kama knows every martial art there is. Name know. two. Kung Fu. Wrestling. You jitterbug. Um, jitterbug! <laughs> I think I've heard of that one. Cabbage patch. <laughs> Moy necktie. Um, Moy necktie. Punchy. Origami. <laughs> Sesame. <laughs> like like Vince doesn't like Vince like Vince is what martial arts is. He watches like he thinks awesome powers doing the judo chop is like the height of martial arts. Like <laughs> like hey, that guy could be uh what's what's that guy's name? Randy Cooter or something. What's his name? Randy Cooter. <laughs> <laughs> Randy oh, I'm with Randy. I like Randy Cooter. <laughs> Randy Cooter! <laughs> How do it? I'm Randy Cooter. There was an NFL assistant coach named Jim Bob Cooter a few years ago. Is he related? Uh, no, it's, Randy it's something Cooter. 
but it made me happy to hear that none of those a man named Jim Bob Cooter doing good in life. <laughs> Even if he did have the coach in Detroit. If someone, I mean, it's, it's not all, it's not all plain sailing. If someone called Jim Bob Cooter can make a go of it, there's hope for all of us. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is a great name though. <laughs> but here's so. the thing, right? Right, and it's Vince goes, oh, Carmelo's all the all the martial arts ever. That makes his finisher weird. <laughs> yes, it's so. So after Taylor gets some plucky offense in, Kama gets his MMA like tree slam that he learned from from the Gracies. <laughs> Lawler spends his match taunting Mongo because he's jealous of his commentary skills. Oh, I was begging for Mongo to do a run in. Just a tease. Don't worry, we'll, we'll have Nitro run about six, about five or six months. <laughs> Kama gets some slow punching, so this is like a Mark Hunt fight, except not as fun. <laughs> Mark minus Hunt's the... fight, more like. <laughs> <laughs> there is one cool move here, where Kama alley oops and like he's going for like the pop up power bomb, and then just uppercuts him in the abdomen. Oh, that part was cool. That was that was was that one where he goes flying? Yeah. Yes. Now that's a badass looking move. That should, that should have been the finish, but no. Kama wins with the MMA-like Vader bomb that he, that, that he, he saw American Top Team use the great success. Oh, do you know hey, hey, look, stop it, right? Conor McGregor would not be wearing that million-dollar watch that he's been wearing this week had it not been for that night he did the Vader bomb inside the Octagon. Oh, yeah, Jose Aldo never saw it coming. He never saw it coming. <laughs> I, I just thought, because it, it's weird because... I watched a bit of this through, and then and uh, then I left the room and came back in, so I rewound it. Mm-hmm. And I was what as I, the bit as the bit as I saw, I, I was thinking to myself, "Oh, they must have binned off the whole karma's like a hyper real fighter now," mm-hmm. which is because he just seems to be doing sort of normal wrestling moves. So then I rewound it, and then there's Vince going, "Well, he's a, he knows all this martial art, hey? So what are you are you?" You doing this or not? Are you bothered or you not? It was yeah. He's a very, it's a very muddled character as Karma right now. I feel like if you'd, I feel like we 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 had choice words to say when Karma debuted as like the 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 supreme fighting machine mm-hmm. and all that. But I feel like if you just stayed the course with that, it would have been all right. It would have been different. Mm-hmm. It would have been stood out. And and now he just wrestles like everybody else. I know. Well, he never. He never really had the move set for it in the first place. No. It's it's, it's like if you should you, know, you ever see those YouTube videos where they have like a lawyer watch Law and Order or have like like a like a, a mobster watch like Goodfellas or something and 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 ask their thoughts on like the authenticity of things. I want to sit down with Tommy Toehold from Twitter and watch every comma match from 95 and just see what he does. Tommy <laughs> like, what do you mean? This is an MMA. <laughs> is that a drop to a hole? No one does that. <laughs> Scoop slam that's illegal. In MMA. Can we get him on as like an extra for a podcast? <laughs> I would love to have him. He'd be yelling all the time, but it'd be worth it. I'll see if he's free. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed the two Drifty match. It was great. <laughs> in the meantime, we got some. uh Alundra Blaze bull in the kind of footage from last week. What a great match that was. Mm. 
That's been the. Do you know what? The best match this week was a, a highlights of Bull Meccano and Alundra Blaze. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Do you know what I noticed in the replay that I didn't notice when I watched it first time round is that the Bull Meccano is a is a monster, a, a killer, a destructive machine. Mm-hmm. But she went up top up to the top rope to drop the leg drop, and she flashed the the loveliest smile I think I've ever seen on another human being. If you if, if you ever seen photos of Bull either out of character or just today, like long in retirement, yeah, I've seen her playing golf. She looks she lovely. Look, looks way different. I, I know she lost a lot of weight, and that's a big part of it. But if you told me that's Bull Nakano, and I didn't know, I'd like, no way. No, it's it's. She looks like a different human being. But like, it was just that smile that cut through. I was like, oh, yeah. she looks lovely. Hmm. I'm sad she's I'm, gone. I'm sure she was. It's. I'm sure. And I'm sure she still is too. But yeah, I mean, it's. There's a photo of her hanging out with Yokozuna and, and Luna Vachon from behind the scenes at a at a WF show once. Her, her just like acting natural, and you realize, eh, like I'm sure she was a nice person. Yeah, she just played a, she just played a vile monster who was trying to tear Alundra Blaze apart. That's fine by me. And and was great at it. She was excellent at it. We see the birth of attack. We learned that Alundra suffered a nose injury, had her face basically shattered from the attack, which is Carney for. She's having a very specific surgery very soon on Medusa. That's gonna. Oh, um, is that what it is? I think this is the point when we see a, a major cosmetic difference. Right. Which, um, fair enough, I suppose. Is not unnoticeable. Hmm. Uh, then we get a babyface promo from Bret Hart, Bob Holly, and One Two Three Kid looking like a prog rock band from the late 80s. I quite like this promo. Everybody got a little cheeky line in. Brett mm-hmm. was the last one to speak about it, and mm-hmm. I think it was a, a it was a promo that flowed really well. Mm-hmm. I liked it. It's like a Journey cover band. <laughs> Do you know what? If they were playing at a at a rec center near me, I would probably go. If I had nothing else on that night, and there was nothing on TV, Bob Holly on bass. Bob Holly's always on bass. <laughs> Bob Holly as a wrestler is permanently on bass. <laughs> About. I was half weird out seeing Bret Hart like, like, like look like look through his eyes sideways like he's um Susanna Hoffs while smiling at Bob Holly. It's just like like is it, it, what is this Brett even? <laughs> it's Brett bringing the young lads up, which I'm all about. It's oh, Brett absolutely supporting the, the new generation, like properly supporting the new generation. It's an interesting trio, that's for sure. Very interesting trio. I don't know whether they'll ever team up again like this. So I, I enjoyed every moment of it. Mm. We get the in your house act because we're giving away a house, hundred fifty thousand dollar value. <laughs> That's a mid Carter's downside. <laughs> by the way, Sione, you're fired. <laughs> the line from the there was a line in this that made me chuckle because they were bigging up this house. It's got the pool on the annex and all this stuff. And Jerry mm. Lawler said it's a mansion, and Vince said. I wouldn't say a mansion because Vince, <laughs> Vince, not, and he didn't do it as a dig. I think Vince went, no, don't tell him it's a mansion. <laughs> We've got terms and conditions. If they, they'll go and they said, well, Vince said it was a mansion. No, no, don't say it's a mansion. <laughs> you live at Vince's house. No, shut up. Vince, Vince panicked and had to and, and had to backtrack to make sure that nobody thought they were entering a competition to win a mansion. But in, in doing so, accidentally just just shat on the prize a little bit. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it was just him thinking on his feet, responding to what Lorna is it? No, don't don't tell him it's a mansion. It's Vince's Mr. Plow. You are fully licensed by by the state, aren't you? Shut up, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny it was. <laughs> That was a nice recover from Vince. But yeah, someone's winning a house. I can't wait till we get to In Your House because the the story behind what happened to the house is quite fun. We should tell that on Cotaholic. Oh, we blooming well will. I think that should be, that should be a video that you, you should write in Jackson voice. What happened to the person that won the house? <laughs> what happened to the whole family? What happened to the family? Turned out like a horror story. <laughs> like, oh, no. It's like the Amityville horror. <laughs> he then went nuts and then swore allegiance to the USWA and only watched that until its dying days. What what happened to the family that moved in to the family? What <laughs> we moved into the family? <laughs> well, we're going to catch up with what happened to the Watts family that moved into that house. Bill? Oh, no, sadly not. <laughs> They did a documentary on it. They called it The Family Next Door. Oh, no. You can jump into the pool, but you can't jump off the diving board. You have to do it from the side of the pool or get disqualified. <laughs> John, 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 Bill Watts, lifeguard. You and your cousins can't be seen together in public or you get fined. <laughs> you have to go at the shallow end. You have to go at the deep end. <laughs> if you meet in the middle and talk you're both sacked get out of the pool ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> so we come to our main event a proper main event so this should make you happy yes Owen Hart, Yokozuna and Hakushi versus Bret Hart 1-2-3 Kid and Bob Holly yes it's a proper main event as you said, Indeed. it's a main event. It's in the main event bit. I knocked a glass. I was that excited. But it's, main event, that. It's, it's in the main event bit of the show. It's like, as it, well, as it should be. We're, we're getting closer to the actual format of what we're all supposed to be. It's not difficult to get this stuff right. No. So we learned that Raw did its best rating ever last week, which I could probably see that. Mm-hmm. And I did a quick look up. It had a three-something rating for, I, I guess, Mini 11 had, had a bit of a buzz coming out of it. So I'm not so terribly what surprised. Was, what was the rating? Like a 3.5, which back then would have been astronomical. Back then, Vince would sacrifice a goat to get that now. Yeah. Jeez. Now they get like a one something, if that. Yeah, they get half of that now. Jeez. You would think this match would start with like Kid versus Hakushi or Kid versus Owen, like a, a speedy match. We begin with Brett and Yoko for one of the last times ever. This felt cool. I liked how I this felt. This made it feel big. The fact they started mm-hmm. with Brett and Yoko. Like WrestleMania main event of the past. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the main event of Raw. That's that's cool. You play with the cards that you've got. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've got you've got a former WrestleMania main event on the on the roster. So let's find a way to put them in the main event of Raw. Mm-hmm. Makes it feel big. They do a little sequence together as of course Brett and Yoko together as stated. Holly and Hakushi come in, they have this nice sequence. And then we go to a break during it because we can't enjoy nice things. It occurs to me at this point that Fuji's out there with Shinja, a man he managed in the Orient Express five years earlier. It's good, weird that, isn't it, how that happens? It's definitely interesting. Shinja, of course, Akio Sato. 
who's working in the office at this point as well, helping with their international uh, connections. Oh, and, really? Yes. He, 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 was, he, he was one of the um, driving forces in getting WF in Japan for those tours in the early 90s. Oh, no way. The more mm-hmm. you know. There you go. The more you know. So Kid goes, we have Kid and Owen in now. Kid gets a spot where he doubles you over, puts the leg on the back of your neck, and then flips over before doing something. He does that, does the flip. As soon as he lands, spin kick right into Owen's face. Beautiful. <laughs> love. Kid had some really good sequences in this, and Kid took a lot of a hammer in this as well, didn't he? Oh, that's that's what Kid does best, play the face in peril. Mm-hmm. The, the plucky underdog hero who takes a beating for what appears to be an hour on end. Ricky Morton to be very proud. Yoko comes in, throttles Kid. Long nerve hold, as he's wont to do. Hakushi comes in, gets this nice move on Kid where he short arms him, knocks him down with a chop to the torso, pulls him back up, knocks him down again, then pulls him back up just repeatedly. Hakushi, like, even stuff that feels elementary today was exotic in 95. And Hakushi just feels like a whole different guy. Because the style is so, just so dry at this point. Mm-hmm. So like and want and Waltman just feels like this like a the it's a cliche like the breath of fresh air mm-hmm. whenever he's in the ring it just feels like a like a like a young person's product if you had more people on the roster like him the new generation here would have stood for something a little bit more I don't think it's unfair to say that when I first saw Hakushi at this point 26 years ago now I probably viewed him the same way people viewed Dynamite in the mid 80s like what is this guy doing just like <laughs> yeah. just like like just the hard strikes and, and, and the dives and stuff. And it's, it was like a revelation to see Hakuji on a show full of clunky heavyweights, not to say the guys in this match are all clunky, but just feel so different. Feels so fresh. Yeah. There was a real energy to him that, that was, was palpable. And kid keeps trying to tease that tag. keeps getting cut off. The fans want Brett in there. So you could, we get this nice spot where Owen has Owen's pulling kid back from making the tag. Kids, frankly, just flailing, like trying to, get, trying to get to the corner. Then Owen has him by the has his leg scissored, tags Yoko. Then Kid just freezes, like, "Well, I'm screwed." He just keeps legs there, which for the inevitable, boom, leg drop to the back of the head from Yoko. Oh, like he just he accepted his fate. That can never be good. Well, when actually Brett said that all the time Yoko leg dropped him, never hurt him. Oh wow, because okay. because it, it was both Yoko's control and just the fact that his thigh was just so fat and doughy. That it wasn't like it was real heavy landing on you because it wasn't like the bone part. It was just flub, flab, <laughs> flub. It's fl- flubber. <laughs> John, How did Yoko do that moonsault? <laughs> Yokozuna and flubber. How did Yoko yeah. do the moonsault? Bing, 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 just flying all over the place. <laughs> we were robbed of something special there. I love the idea of Yoko doing a moonsault mm-hmm. and flubber assisted. Oh, yeah. Owen keeps waving the Japanese flag. The crowd's booing. Uh, we, yeah, we may buy their cars and their electronics and all that stuff. We may, may be allies, but boo! <laughs> so Hakushi um, gets a high drop kick and nice tilt roll backbreaker. Kid just taking a, a pounding at this point. Mm. But then he counters a hurricane run into a power bomb. Finally, hot tags Brett. And Brett, Brett just, is just going ape on everybody. Not talking, attacks Hakushi on the apron because they're feuding. Smashes Owen as well. So tag back and tag made to Owen. We get, we get one more heart battle before they kind of, uh, you know, kill us off. And then in, in all the confusion, Brett tags Bob Holly, goes around to the front of Owen, drop kicks him, 
Holly catches a stunned Owen in the roll-up and pins him. Bob Holly has pinned Owen Hart. Blew my mind that did. Bob Holly pinning Owen. We have a tag title match set up, so makes sense to get, to get to give Holly the sort of the um, I guess I don't say least popular, but least amount of success of the four to give him the big visual win. Mm. Yeah, it was that, good. That was a really enjoyable match. It was great. It was it was good. I was the it was the best match of the night with like hands down, just fun, engaging, great spots from Waltman in particular. Um, and, and Bob getting the win on Owen, I thought was was a lovely surprise. It got a big rise out of the crowd. Mm. I feel that Yokozuna and Harkushi would have made more sense as a tag team than Yoko and Owen. But I'm glad Owen's in the mix with all this anyway. I feel like he's it's, it's good to see him at the top of the card. Well, Owen's good to be the talker also. There is that as well. Mm. There is that too. Harkushi and Yoko more more silent rage than anything. Mm. It was a it was a good main event. Good main event. You got some good players amongst this weird time in wrestling, and mm. as long as they use them in the right places, we'll be fine. I was coming to an epiphany fairly recently when I was while watching these shows because last week's show was fun. This week's show was fun. The last role before Mania was fun because it was just Brett versus Owen and a bunch of mostly nonsense. I'm going to go out on a limb here. For as much as we trash 95, I think we're finding and we're going to continue to find that overall this is better than 94. It's not as bad as we think it is. And like, in some ways, it will be. Mm. The, the small crowds pushing Mabel, some of the crappy decisions they made, some of the bad gimmicks that get churned out. But energy and action-wise, it feels like they've turned a corner and are now something else. Whereas 94 felt like they were trying to cling to yesterday desperately. And it just felt more and more desperate with yeah. Backland, Nightheart. Like they were too, like they, they came a couple of steps close to the edge mm-hmm. and just kind of got cold feet, pulled themselves back a little bit from, from going two feet in. They would do that with the Attitude Era, which is why it would become so wildly successful. Oh, they do have head first into that. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like they were very tentative at this point because business wasn't great. They were anxious mm-hmm. about rocking the boat too much, which is why we see those random older performers still cropping up in amongst all this. But I feel like yeah. if you let the younger guys truly go, you might have had a, it might have been a very different story. Well, Jim Ross became head of talent relations. I think very early in 95, I think we're seeing a bit of the difference already. Yeah. You can see in the, in the people that are, are coming in, not all perfect, but there is certainly a, a majority, a good majority coming in. Mm-hmm. There, there is a fresher energy. And I will say that mm-hmm. first, for as much guff as I gave 95, I don't know if that's the best word for it, but it still isn't a great year. But if you, but if it feels like things are happening, at least. yeah. And all, all they need is someone to throw their feet to the fire a little bit more, and we'll have that in a few months' time. And meanwhile, we have people wearing the Duckman shirts in the aisle way, as you mentioned. Holy effing green screen again, the ringside shot of these two. Oh, so in this bit of green screen gorgeousness... Mm-hmm. Vince and Lawler look tiny <laughs> because the people on the green screen behind them, the image is stretched too big. So it, it looks like they're tiny people. The dimensions are so to cock. It's brilliant. Mick Gulliver's travels. <laughs> John, can you take that picture and make them even smaller? <laughs> yep. Now... I just talked good about 95 there, but mm. this has to be said. 
get a plug for the Mania Encore. And they're going to show us a couple uninterrupted minutes of WrestleMania 11 to promote the show. What do they show us? Do they show us Owen revealing Yoko as his mystery partner? Do they show us a spirited sequence from Sean and Diesel's world title match? Do they show us LT kicking a bit of ass? Do they even show us Taker's entrance? They show us the introductions for Lawrence Taylor's all-pro team by the show. Still, Here's Ken Norton. They're still on this, this, this journey that celebs are going to sell. Yeah, and they're not, and Vince won't have it any other way at this point. I, I did notice something here though, and I couldn't help but make a note of this. When Ken Norton Jr. came out, keep in mind his his father's Ken Norton Sr., the one of the first men that I think the, the first man to beat Muhammad Ali in a, in a fight, and he's always been known as Ken Norton Jr. to, to differentiate him from his famed boxing father. Vince didn't call him Jr. because Vince hates Jr. Really. Rey Mysterio Jr. became Rey Mysterio. Chavo Guerrero Jr. became Chavo Guerrero. His father became Chavo Classic. I mean, I like the name Chavo Classic. Because, well, I get it, but, but there's, there's a reason for it. John Cena's father, who was John Cena Sr., became Mr. Cena. They wouldn't call John John Jr. Why? Because Vince hated being called Jr. Because his father was Vincent J. He's Vincent K. He hated being called Jr. Right. That's a Vinceism. So Vince didn't like being called Junior, so therefore nobody's called Junior. Exactly. Oh, Meanwhile, Vince. Mania 19, when Piper interferes in this match with Hogan, when Hogan's Vince on the map bleeding in the seat, Vince, Piper's telling him he's going, come on, Junior, because he knows he hates that. <laughs> That's ace. But, I imagine and, Piper got chewed out for it after. I th- you think Piper cared? No. <laughs> That's why I love it even more. So next week, it's Owen and Yoko defending against Kid and Holly. And I realized Bob Holly works three times at this taping. Hakushi on the first show, the sixth man on the second show, now a tag title match. But on Bob the plus ha- side, he doesn't get a concussion between shows on That's this true. particular occasion. I'm saying Bob Holly's earning his keep with this taping. Fair play to him, I say. Make, hey, make hay while the sun shines. Yeah, he may not have been in too much during the six-man tag. Probably to, probably to preserve him a little bit. But yeah, he is... Uh, Got his working boots on for damn sure. Fair play, fair play. We'll see you. So, is it next week we've got the tag title match? Tag team title match on Raw next week, plus P- Jean Pierre Lafitte versus Duke Trossi. Things are happening. You want some pirates and some gold next week? You are in the right place right here on the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. And until next time, he is at JRH Writing. I am at Tom Gamble on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. We will speak to you next week. Don't forget to join us. (gasps) Primetime Lawler was actually very, very good. Love you, bye. (coughs) I breathed in too tight. You okay? I breathed in a bit hard. (laughs) please don't die please Please don't don't die. die please don't die hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 